You're listening to Outnumber the Podcast, episode 146, Preparing to Grow Your Family. Whether you're looking into having your first child, your fourth, or your ninth, we have got lots of advice for how to prepare yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, everything you could possibly want to know. As parents of big families ourselves, you can probably already guess that we are big fans of having babies, but sometimes a little preparation goes a long way. So let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Welcome back, friends. Today, we are going to be talking about preparing to bring a baby into your family, whether it's your first or your 10th or anywhere in between. Um, It's one of our favorite times of life. So our main thought in this episode is um, that uh, you'll never quite feel ready. I think people are always thinking that, right? Like, when are we going to feel ready for this next baby or for the first one or whatever? It's largely a leap of faith, but we did want to share some of our tips for getting different facets of your life ready for that new one. Yeah, we have definitely shared with many of our friends who ask us that question. How do you know when you're ready to start a family or have a baby? Well, if you wait till you're ready, if you wait till you feel ready, you'll never have any kids. So just have kids. (laughs) (laughs) They will make you ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a trial by fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can you know how to do something until you do it, right? Yep. Okay. So we want to, first of all, before we jump into this, remind you guys that this podcast is free and every week we release a free episode for you to listen to and learn from and share all our wonderful mom experience. But we wanted to let you know that if you do want to support the podcast in a financial way, we do have a Patreon account and we always drop a link to that in the show notes. And it's not just dropping us some money over there. We give our Patreon supporters so many bonuses. We've got educational materials out there. We've got videos out there on how to cook and how to, you know, set up a laundry room process. And we've got tons of stuff that we give our Patreon followers as often as we can. And um, there's several different levels you can support us at over there. And also we do a monthly special episode just for our Patreon um, supporters. And you can either hear or watch us do that episode depending on what level you're on so anyway if that's if you would like to say thank you for all these free advice and episodes and education that you're getting through outnumbered and and this venue right here then go give us a follow on patreon as well Yes, we love our Patreon supporters, and it's kind of like our own secret club over there. <laughs> we chat with our, our supporters. You can leave us comments. You can give us suggestions for um, for podcast episodes, which we always give first priority to. And then um, any mom tips. We're kind of just like mentor moms over there. Any mom tips or ideas or suggestions or questions you have, you can give them to us over there, and we will for sure answer them. So check us out. You can support us for as little as $2 a month over there. So we would love anyone who wants to join us. Okay, so now getting started on this episode, um, we got a question recently about how to prepare to have a large family, and we realized that many of these tips would be helpful for everyone. So we decided to break this into two separate episodes. This one is going to be talking about how to prepare your home and life to welcome a baby, any number of baby, and then um, into your family. And then our companion episode for this will come in another few weeks, and that will be specific tips for preparing to have a large family. And we realize that's very relative. It could be 
four kids. It could be 14. But anyway, if that's what you're looking for, that will come a little bit later. So first off, I just want to say that even if you've had several children, I always tell myself to be careful of thinking that I know everything. <laughs> like even at this point, 10 kids, you'd think I would feel well-versed in parenting, but there are still so many surprises. Every kid surprises me. Um, and guaranteed a baby will come along and surprise you too. So, so hopefully some of these tips can help you feel more prepared. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, we're going to break this episode down into physical or health-related preparation, financial goals, how to prepare your home, and then how to prepare yourself emotionally and mentally to be adding to your family. Right. We realize that um, the the personal things are so crucial. And sometimes we only think of the external things like, oh, we got to, we got to uh, baby proof our house, but we don't really think about like our emotional mental health. We're also going to talk a little bit about family history, how that can play into bringing a baby into our home. We're also going to talk a little bit about family history and how that can play into um, some some considerations before you bring a baby into your home. Okay. Let's dive right into physical health. This is like probably the most common consideration maybe a contender up there with financial consideration for whether or not you're ready to have a baby. But if you're having a biological child, the woman, the mother will obviously be bearing the brunt of the work inside of her body. And we've done several episodes on how we keep ourselves healthy and mother's help, mother's health. But in this episode, we're specifically going to talk about getting ready to have a baby. Right, right. And um, a lot of this is the same as things you would do once you're pregnant or even the postpartum period, like um, recovering from that baby. But uh, a lot of it is pretty commonsensical stuff, right? Like um, eating lots of fruits and vegetables, um, taking a good quality multivitamin every single day with plenty of folic acid. That's the number one thing to be aware of because that is the most important uh, mineral to be consuming preconception because your body has to have a store of that to be used to develop your baby's brain and spinal column. You can take prenatal vitamins before you're, before you're pregnant. And actually that's really a good idea for women. Right. You most definitely would want to consider that. Another reason that this is important to do preconception is because very often you might deal with some morning sickness and that makes tolerating a big horse vitamin <laughs> a little bit trickier. Um, so get those in as much as you can before getting pregnant and that will prepare your body as well as it can. Probably all of us know at this point that both partners should stop smoking before trying to conceive a baby, and mom should prepare to stop any alcoholic consumption during pregnancy. Again, common sense, exercise, getting to a healthy weight. I will say that very often I have thought, oh, it's okay if I have a few extra pounds on me. I'll just um, eat a little healthier this pregnancy and it'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, that's that has yet to happen to me where I haven't gained the same amount with every pregnancy. Your body just kind of does its own thing. And so getting to and maintaining a healthy weight before conceiving is also um, a real boon to your body. However, that being said, if you've been trying and you're just kind of stuck, it's by no means a deal breaker. You have an extra 20 pounds on you. You can still get pregnant and be have a totally healthy pregnancy and postpartum. It's just helpful if you get to that, that stage beforehand. Yeah. I actually um, had a midwife one time who worked with women to um, manage their their pregnancy the way that their body wanted to. And so she actually had this example of a woman who started um, her pregnancy 
quite overweight and wanted to be in better shape before she had the baby. So through that pregnancy, she counseled and managed that woman. And she actually lost weight through that pregnancy instead of gained with the baby. And that was kind of a neat thing to think about. But I, oh yeah, I totally agree with that. My, um, so with my first two pregnancies, I had, um, a care provider that was a little more old school. And there used to be this philosophy that women needed to gain 40 pounds for pregnancy. And so she pushed me to eat, eat, eat and gain, you know, all this 40 weight, 40 pounds of weight during pregnancy. And uh, that was really hard for me to be able to gain that much. But then um, I was, we moved and I was in a different location. And every pregnancy after that, um, I was with a midwife who was of the philosophy that your body knows what to do if you're eating healthy. Um, your body will do pregnancy the way that you, it wants to do it and needs to do it. And what was so interesting is I, I track pretty closely on my weight through a pregnancy. And it always I always gained the exact same number of pounds. And um, it was like 26 pounds. And then toward the end of the pregnancy, like month between the month six and the month seven appointment, I would gain like 10 pounds in that month. <laughs> and then the rest of the pregnancy, I would only gain another pound or two. And what is so funny is that seven pregnancies, my body did this exact same thing every time. So it's quite interesting um, that that's kind of like my health tip is listen to your body and learn about your specific needs and your health considerations. Like what does your body, what what does your body need to be able to function and operate at, a, you know, at a premium level? Because when you are bearing a child in your body and your, your body is growing another body, another human, um, that's like an Olympic event, really. I mean, yeah. I don't, I can't think of any greater physical thing that a body does. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's interesting that you share that about the, the weight gain thing. My body was exactly the same. And I also tracked my weight gain really closely. And I think almost every single pregnancy I gained 38 pounds, like, like <laughs> to the number. It's yeah. so bizarre. And there were a couple of pregnancies where I ate extremely healthy and was exercising the entire time. And a couple that I was a little bit lazier and ate a lot of junk did not matter. My body gained exactly the same amount, <laughs> except for the twins, which was interesting because yeah. I was also similar story. My care provider gave me a specific diet and was like, you have got to eat this many calories. And it was a challenge, a real struggle. Yeah. And, um, and my body still just did what it was going to do. And I ended up with healthy babies and everything was fine. So yes, you know, do the best you can, but also don't hold yourself to a standard, an outside standard if your body seems to want to do a specific thing. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I agree that like your body knows what it needs the best as long, you know, caveat that you're, you're eating healthy and you're wanting to do the best. Your body knows the right thing to do. Yeah, except for if you want dirt, right? Some women like to eat. <laughs> if you're so craving, yes, that is called pica. If you're crazy, craving dirt or ice, then you need iron. Just go get yeah. some iron. Or the smell of gasoline is another one that smells, if it smells really good to you when you're pregnant, that's another Do sign. not huff gasoline. Need iron. Go get no. iron. <laughs> or eat dirt. Do not eat dirt. <laughs> so if you don't know where to start, like you, you haven't listened to your body yet and you don't know where to start, um, figure out, most everybody knows what their blood type is. So an, an interesting kind of common place to start, there's a book and a, a philosophy, an eating philosophy called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. That's a great place to start in understanding your body's specific needs. And so um, if, you know, if you're interested, that's a place to, to dig in. And some of that will really resonate with you and, and some of it won't. But, but if you know your blood type, then, you know, that's kind of a, a thing that you can start with. And most everybody knows their blood type. 
So then, so just in general, nourish your body with nutrient dense food. Like think of it as an event that you're preparing for, like an Olympic event. How do athletes behave? Well, they certainly start training and eating in certain ways. Um, I do have a suggestion, build your good fat stores, especially if you plan to breastfeed. And so um, stop thinking about fats as bad. Fats are good. Breast milk is made from your fat stores and babies' brains require fat to grow. So you've got to have some good fats in your body to be able to build and feed a baby and then that baby can grow from the fats that you are passing along to it. So the best fats are from real foods. That's just the simple way to put it. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so let's move on to some financial preparation. This is very often the first thing that people stress out about, right? Because bringing another human into your family can be stressful. Um, I feel like the first time around, it's a little bit more nerve-wracking because you have no idea what a baby is going to need or how much all the bills are going to be for the birth, et cetera. Once you've had one or two, you have a little bit better idea. Um, But if you want a great place to start, go listen to episode number 25. That one is uh, we created on how to afford kids, one of our all-time most popular episodes. And then just stop stressing out so much. (laughs) You're going to need a few big ticket items and you keep those in mind. Um, Prenatal care delivery fees tend to be on the higher end, especially if you're delivering at a hospital. Uh, You're going to want to check to make sure your OB or your midwife is covered by insurance if you have any, or you might want to check birth centers or home birth options. They can sometimes save you a considerable amount of money, but that's a great place to start. Right. You know, if you think about it, in America, we're quite, probably like in a lot of other areas, we're quite, um, we overcompensate a lot (laughs) on what we need for a baby. But you think about people having babies through history and in other countries around the world that aren't quite as privileged as we are. Um, There are very few necessities to bring a baby into the world that costs more than just a couple dollars. Um, you got to have a car seat if you have a car and diapers. You got to figure out some diaper system. And then you have bassinet on this list, Bonnie, but we don't even buy our baby a special place to sleep because we do the family sleeping, the family bed sleeping that we just love. And we have a whole episode about that too on how to sleep, how to get kids to sleep. But Besides a car seat and diapers, I mean, there isn't, you know, some clothes, a little bit of clothes, and everybody loves to buy baby clothes and give them to you. It it does not cost very much money at a bare minimum to bring a baby into a world. And we've brought our babies in to the world on this very low-cost basis, and not one of them has suffered from not having the latest <laughs> whirly gig <laughs> flying over their crib in their own separate room. You know, it just doesn't – they don't miss it because it's – there's more things of higher value that we're giving them. Of course, breastfeeding saves so much money and we believe it's better for the baby. So um, if mom is working, another thing you need to consider is um, if she's going to take maternity leave or quit her job to stay home with the baby, that, that'll require some planning ahead and budgeting. But um, both Bonnie and I are testament that you can um, – do a one income family and do it very well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, considering that we just, um, filed our taxes for 2020, let me just say that you can also survive with 10 kids on not a lot of money because that's how we did it last year. 2020 really took a hit on our income and we made things work. We, um, set up some systems, set up some budgets, 
and uh, really cut way back. So it is possible. I will also say that um, in our experience, both Audrey and I have noticed that every time a baby comes to our home, we fi- we see financial blessing- blessings. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's the way we believe that we are have been able to continue growing our family without a lot of hardships. And if you're really nervous, then that's something to pray about, right? So that you can feel comfortable taking that step and knowing your family is going to be okay. Yeah, I agree 100%. It does not make any sense. But um, when you're looking out for others, there's somebody else looking out for you. So it's been been a huge blessing. Okay, moving on to preparing your home. So babies can live in just about any environment. In fact, the environment they prefer is mom's body because that's what they were used to for nine months. So if you take a baby and you take a, a wrap, we we have, don't we have an episode on baby wearing? And you put them on your body, that's basically all they need. They love it. It's yeah. their favorite place <laughs> mm-hmm. at first. But then um, look ahead to, you know, crawling and walking. You, you know, you start... We, we call it what sea level or something around here at our house that as the baby, you know, starts to crawl, oop, then everything goes up off the floor, you know, about six inches and then oop, now they can pull themselves to standing. Okay. Everything goes two feet off the floor and then they start walking. Oop. Now we got to, <laughs> everything kind of floats up as baby gets, uh, gets a little older. You know, we, we love house plants, but there's certain ones that are toxic to babies and babies love dirt and they just make a mess in house plants. So it just, <laughs> Oh, now these plants are sitting on the table cause we got a baby on the floor and yep. you want to make your house a safe place for the baby. Yeah, totally. I uh, never realized just how filthy my floor can get until I have a crawling baby. And then it's really clean for about three or four months until the baby learns to walk and it gets dirty again. We're not quite as great at keeping up on it because nobody's eating the dirt off the floor, you know? I know. I know we had one baby that did kind of that commando crawl where they scooch along on their stomach for a while and pushing themselves with their arms and legs. And I was like, you know what? We just need to put a Swiffer cloth under his belly because then he could just clean as he goes. I have totally thought about that multiple times <laughs> on everybody's feet and on the baby's belly. You're good. <laughs> and sometimes you don't realize what's been on the floor until you find it in your baby's diaper. You're like, Oh, mm-hmm. Lego. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, okay. So a few things I, I thought it'd be helpful for us to each share a few things about our homes that have been really, really beneficial while raising children. You don't quite realize what you need or what um, causes problems with small children around until you have it. Right. So a few things we've loved about our past homes um are starting with our townhouse we the first home we moved into was a teeny tiny townhouse with no yard just had a little patio but it had communal green space so we didn't have to maintain it which was phenomenal and um the kids could go out and play and run around if you had pets you could go walk your dog out there and and um we and then we also had this small patio so i could send my little ones out to the patio to ride their little cars around and then when we really needed to get out we could go rolled on the hills of the communal green space. Right. And then, and then we moved into the next bigger home, um, which had enough space for a trampoline or a swing set so that the kids could be outside a little bit more. We had a park nearby, a community pool. Um, the best part about that home was that it was a split level, which I knew was going to be necessary as we grew our family, because there was a level for, um, a baby to take a nap in upstairs. And then there was still a basement where we could do school projects and be loud and, you know, play and without waking the little one up. So just these little things to keep in mind as kids come into the family and grow. Oh, that is so interesting. You know, I didn't even see this line on the outline. So this is me ad-libbing, but it's straight from my heart. When both my husband and I were raised in the country and we 
um, both loved it so much and learned so many things from that, that we um, decided when we had a family, we wanted to raise them in the country as well. And if you want like me to dig deep on this and hear our thoughts about the importance of outdoor time, we have episode 88 on that. But we, yeah, we intentionally um, made decisions so that we could raise our family in the country and um, they could just be outside and and they could be raising animals and they could be milking a cow and doing all these things that we just felt were so beneficial for us when we were growing up. So that is like, I would have to say the one choice that we made about um, not preparing the inside of our home, but really the outside, that it would be like a giant playground for our kids is living in the country. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then talking, um, another thing to think about is family history. Um, do Is there a history of um, things in your family that will have an effect on um, the, the child that you're bringing into the world? It can be important to review just so that you're not going into it um, blind and not knowing what might happen. But you, you know um, what kind of health history is on both sides of your, of your child's family. Yeah, on both sides of your child's family. Yeah, this is something that I did not even consider um, until I'd had a couple of kids and things started coming up and I'm like, oh, that might have been good to talk about before we started having kids. So a few things to consider might be chromosomal anomalies, things like Down syndrome, trisomy 18. If someone in the family has a history of that, then your chances go up a little bit. Having smaller or larger babies than average could be something you might want to prepare for or a history of specific pregnancy issues like preterm labor or preeclampsia, also helpful to know before you get pregnant. That being said, um, Audrey and I wouldn't let a history of medical anomalies preclude us from having children, but we just think it's a good way to be prepared for certain possibilities. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, I don't think it's a reason not to have children. It's just good to be prepared mentally and emotionally um, to for to have a family. One of the reasons that it's important to be aware of these things is because when you go see your uh, pregnancy provider, they will most likely ask you about specific screening. So that's something you want to get on board with your husband with like, is this something we want to be screened for? And if it comes out positive, is that going to change anything, et cetera? Yeah, that's a good segue right into emotional and mental preparation. It's probably the last thing that we think about, but maybe the most crucial you know, bringing a baby into the world is going to change you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to be the same person after you have a baby, especially the first baby and the act of becoming parents for the first time. It's like that is a defining moment in history. And that's why a lot of women talk about it, um, that this was the point when I became a mother. And there's so much good um, about becoming a mother. It really is an amazing point. And there's a lot that's challenging too. Um, You wouldn't want to go into it with rose-colored glasses and think it's going to be all wonderful. Um, And then, you know, have, of course, there's going to be surprises. Of course, there's going to be things that you never thought through. You've never done this before. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think through it and mentally prepare yourself, um, one one kind of more serious thing is um, child loss, pregnancy loss. Like th- before that happened to us, that was something I had never, ever considered. And it just blindsided us on the first time that we lost a baby because it was something that I never even considered could happen. And so I don't know that um, I would have had any less pain emotionally 
-hmm. one lost it, but it maybe wouldn't have been such a surprise. Yeah. So that being said, also beware of surrounding yourself with negativity and horror stories. I do not know why. Bonnie and I have both talked about this before. I do not know why so many people feel impelled to tell pregnant mothers their horror birth stories. Just stop it. (laughs) Birth can be beautiful and positive and a wonderful experience. And so just beware that there's some people, you know, if you have a pregnant belly that are going to walk up to you and start telling you their horror stories. But you can also seek out positive role models, women who love giving birth, women who had an amazing experiences, parents who love being parents and parenting. And you'll, once you start kind of picking up on this dynamic, you'll start understanding and seeing when someone, you know, approaches you, a friend, a family member, whatever, you can kind of pretty much draw a line and see which side of it they are on. And, and I just suggest surrounding yourself with people who just love every aspect of parenting. Not that they have rose-colored glasses on and they're saying there's nothing difficult, but they're focusing on the positive side of it. Yes, totally. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I, when I took my first hypnobirthing class, they gave out pins for us to wear that said, please do not share your negative birth stories. My baby is listening. (laughs) (laughs) That was super cute. And the same goes, same goes for parenting. If you've got a negative Nancy around who just likes to tell you how much three kids is going to kick your butt, just ask her politely to not talk like that around you or just go seek other friends. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, just wait till they're teenagers, you know? Yes. Well, okay. Let's say that with some positivity because Bonnie and I love teenagers. Just (laughs) wait until they're teenagers. Right. Like you think you have it bad now. Okay, lady. Yeah, we all get it. You have it worse. All right. (laughs) That's one of my pet peeves. Uh, Let's just all enjoy what we can at this point, right? Okay. So let's talk emotionally for a second. Um, It's really helpful to spend time around kids or even have extra kids over to your home if you're planning on expanding your family. That can kind of get you in the right mindset. Like, okay, it's going to be a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more noisy, but look how much so-and-so loves to play with this kid. And obviously dynamics are different depending on the personality of the children, but it can just kind of help you um, be a little bit more emotionally prepared for how things are going to change. Maybe you can babysit for a little bit and see what that's like. Um, Take time to prepare yourself for the things that are going to be different, right? especially the emotional requirements of kids, right? So all of a sudden you go from two to three kids and that tends to be a big jump for some people, right? Because all of a sudden you're outnumbered Um, and, you know, you could take care of this one kid and your husband could take care of the other one. And now there's a third one that needs you. So how are you going to prepare yourself emotionally to be able to take care of three crying children at the same time? And most of the time it's your own thought work that you need to take care of, right? So like we've talked about multiple times on the podcast, we are huge fans of life coaching so that we can gain better control over our own emotions because as much as we hate to hear it, we are the only ones responsible for how we are feeling. And so when the chaos rises and everybody's screaming and crying, what are your emotions doing? Are you feeding right into it? Are you being an emotional child along with your three and five-year-olds? Or are you able to stay calm and um, be the emotional adult while raising the children? Yeah, I'm a big fan of throwing a temper tantrum right alongside of them. It feels so good. (laughs) It really does sometimes. (laughs) Oh, yes, that is so true. All right. So mental health, it's also very crucial, especially for your mother. So now we don't often recognize that this is very closely connected to our physical health. It's all connected into our hormones. Um, 
when you're a mother, a biological mom having a baby, there's so much hormonal fluctuation that happens. It can cause temporary, permanent mental health issues. Okay, you can go listen to episode 10 for Kim's story on unexpected postpartum depression. Um, It's like as much as you can keep your thyroid in good health. And um, when it's not there, then get get outside help, do, you know, do what you can. Because once you have another um, life, depending on you, to keep them alive, then it's really your responsibility to have every aspect of your own health in, in control, or at least, you know, a barometer on it. Where am I? Where am I? How am I doing today? Mm-hmm. And if you're not in an excellent place yet, um, mentally, try to try to work on it now before you have kids. I mean, why not? Why not try to improve your life? Really? It's mm-hmm. do it for you, not not only just for the future child or children you'll be having. Do it for you. Make your life better. <laughs> you know, you can set up a plan with your spouse on how to deal with any mental health issues that might arise in your future children or in yourself or in your spouse. Everybody like it's Oh, so much flexibility is required and and we're not immediately there before we go through the experience of having children. Right. It can take a, I mean, any major life change can take a toll on your mental and emotional health. So to be as healthy as possible in those arenas before children start coming is, is really helpful. One thing I was going to say about this uh, is it's important to also realize that um, if you require medication to stabilize yourself mentally, sometimes those medications are not compatible with pregnancy. And so sometimes you have to reevaluate your mental health medications. Um, sometimes you even have to stop taking some. So that's something to consider as well. In order to keep yourself healthy mentally, you might want to bring that up to your doctor, psychologist, whoever you're seeing, um, saying, hey, I'm preparing to get pregnant. What's something I should be aware of? Can I take these medications? Um, or is there something I can take that's different? So in conclusion, we wanted to um, share with you a few of our own personal experiences of being totally surprised by a child who did something that none of our other children had done. And I have two little experiences I wanted to share. Number one was when I had my twins. So they're numbers four and five in my family. And my first three had been excellent sleepers. They had slept through the night very early on, um, had just kind of fallen into this nap routine, sleep all night. And and it was great. And I just thought I was an awesome mom (laughs) teaching my kids how to sleep well. And then come these little twins and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about um, their sleep rhythms with there being two of them and how by not nursing them tandem, which was hard for me, I was actually putting them on alternate schedules. Anyway, it was a huge mess. And I just felt so inadequate, even though it was my fourth and fifth children, I didn't know what to do. So I had to reach out for some help. And that's just kind of what we want to remind you at this point is that no matter what child this is for you, if you are caught off guard by something, don't be afraid to ask for help. Call your doctor or midwife, call your mom, a neighbor or a mom mentor. Um, It tends to be the best because there are other moms that are going through the same thing that you are. Another little example I had was with my eighth child. She was born, no complications, but she couldn't nurse. Like she, she was just creating so much pain for me those first few days. And I knew something was wrong. And had it been my first child, I probably would have just quit. I would have just thought nursing is not for me. This is horrible. I give up. But I knew that something was wrong because I'd had other children that nursed successfully. So I reached out to a couple of mom friends and um, providers and found out that she had a tongue tie and we actually ended up getting it fixed. I think before she was even a week old because it was so painful and almost impossible to feed her. So just these little things come up and, and no child will give you every experience out there. So with each one, there's going to come a few surprises. Don't be afraid to ask for help. 
I have a personal experience to share of, you know, being a, having several kids and then being surprised by the experiences that uh, pop up with a kid surprising you. So I thought I was a great mom and I had bedtime all figured out and I was a great nighttime mom until I had child number eight. And then I had this little girl that is a night owl and she absolutely starts lighting up at nine o'clock at night and will not go to bed until later at night. I guess it's just her biorhythms or whatever. But here I was, I thought I was this great mom. And then I had this kid pop out that just is completely, I don't know, alien or something. She <laughs> she just surprised me so much with her little her little night owlness. And what's so funny is that even when she was in my belly, same way, about nine o'clock at night, she would just start a little dance party there inside my belly and start jumping around and it would last for a couple hours. And then finally she'd settle down and go to sleep. And that's how she came out. That's how she's been since day one. So I guess I get this little nighttime firecracker, but that's just an experience of how a kid, even though you think, you know, you've had seven kids, you've got this down, one can come along and surprise you. So yeah, that's just my thought. Just be open to anything. And, and even if you already have kids, just, just keep preparing yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and all these ways and, and keep yourself open to being surprised. So that's our episode for today, guys. We hope this has been helpful for you in getting your mind wrapped around bringing another child to your home, whether it's the first or the 10th. Every child brings so many blessings and we promise you are more ready and closer than you think. So best of luck. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.